Welcome to this episode of ClearedCast, your source for security clearance, intelligence community, espionage, national security, and defense contracting updates, and our exclusive interviews with intelligence community and government leaders. First, a quick word from our sponsor. Today's podcast is brought to you by Lidos. Lidos has a long history of innovative problem solving dating all the way back to 1969 when Dr. J. Robert Baster founded his crazy little company. Today, they're a global 38,000 employee Fortune 500 enterprise committed to making the world safer, healthier, and more efficient. Lidos's vast experience spans diverse markets, including aviation, defense, energy, government, health, intelligence, science, and space. Search thousands of great career opportunities with Lidos at clearancejobs.com. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of ClearCast. I'm Katie Keller, Editorial Communications Manager with ClearanceJobs.com. And today I'm joined by Greg Stewart, the owner and editor of VDestination.com. He is a systems engineer by trade, but has worked in a ton of different IT jobs throughout his career. So he's an expert in everything certifications and has 20 years of IT experience. He's also obtained certs like A+, Network+, Security+, VMware. I'm not going to go through all of them, but has so many others. You currently work as an IT consultant, both in the private and public sector. And like I mentioned, you have your own blog, vdestination.com, a podcast. And after all that, you even have time to write articles at clearancejobs.com. So Greg, thank you so much for joining me today on this episode. Thanks, Katie. I appreciate you having me on. This is really fun. Yeah, I do. I do enjoy writing for clearance jobs. So good stuff. Yeah, you have a a ton that you do. But today we're going to be talking about cyber attacks. And one that you actually call the most insidious, social engineering. But first, I'd love to hear what interested you in initially getting into IT. Probably started right around when I was in the military. So I was in the Air Force back in from 99 to 2003. And I did a lot of work with signals analysis and uh, intelligence analysis. And towards the end of that enlistment, they started having me do more Unix and Linux stuff. And that's where I really started to kind of get the itch to tinker and and learn. Uh, ended up getting out of the military, went, moved back to Arizona, got married and decided I needed to come back and be a contractor. So we moved back to Maryland and worked for a government contractor doing IT work. So I, I started from the bottom. I started doing basic system administration stuff. I was resetting passwords, creating accounts for users. I mean, the basic, you know, answering the phone, basic help desk stuff. Doing that stuff just really like fed my hunger to to want to do more and more. And so I just started getting books. I, I started with a Network Plus book, started reading that, started with, and then did A Plus. And then just started getting certifications. And before I knew it, I was doing actual uh, consulting and architecture work for different uh, civilian and private sector stuff. So yeah, it's been quite a journey. Excellent. Well, and I, I'm a former recruiter. And so I, I have seen in the past any of my signatures that I was working with, they do transition into sort of the journey that you found yourself on. Yeah. You know, it's funny because when I joined the Air Force, I signed up to be, you know, it just was, I think it was just an intelligence analyst was the job listing. And when I got in, it turns out that I was copying Morse code night and day, day and night. So when you do that, and then you roll onto your permanent duty station and you're doing more signal stuff, there's not a whole lot of jobs that transition from that kind of perspective to a civilian job. So I kind of had to find a way to reinvent myself. And luckily on the tail end of my enlistment is where I started, you know, kind of getting the the itch to do IT work. So yeah, it worked out. Well, and that's a great story to share for our folks who maybe don't have to go through some of the obstacles that you went through in reinventing yourself. But seeing systems from all of those different vantage points sounds like a well-rounded view on where we're at 
you know, cybersecurity wise in 2020, where it's certainly the focus of defense contractors and other types of organizations in any sector really right now. But thinking from what can happen to an individual, tell us a little bit about social engineering, what that is and why it's worse than some other types of attacks. Sure, sure. I mean, there there's run-of-the-mill cybersecurity attacks and there's, you know, Trojan horses, malware, viruses of that sort. But today, you know, as you talked a little bit about how things have progressed, the technology specifically has just gone out of control. I mean, we I got my first cell phone when I was 21 years old. Uh, it was a Sprint flip phone. It didn't do anything but make calls, essentially. And I didn't even text at that point in time. Fast forward to today where, I mean, literally... You know, everybody from the age of I've seen kids as young as eight years old having cell phones all the way up into, you know, adults and and those that are later in life actually starting to learn better to use technology like the cell phone and smart smartphones and stuff. But the the reason why I think it's the worst and, uh, you know, I think I use the word insidious because it really is, is is it just preys on individuals. And that's that's what I hate the most. So cybersecurity and uh, like cyber criminals, it's it's bad as it is when you attack a corporation and try to do corporate espionage. But when you start like targeting individuals, especially those that are vulnerable, such as like senior citizens that don't really know better or younger children, the worst of the worst, younger children that are just you know, just being exposed to technology and don't really understand the breadth of what they're doing on their smartphones is it gets really scary. You know, with emails, there's phishing, but now there's this thing that they're calling smishing. It's like the worst technical jargon you could come up with, but it's basically SMS, you know, and phishing smushed together, portmanteau, if you will. But you know, and you're getting these text messages now that are saying things like, you know, we've we've identified unusual activity on your bank. Please click this link to log in. People that aren't up to speed with cybersecurity practices and like best practices, they they click that out of fear. So these these cyber criminals, they're preying on people's fears. And so when you see that there's been suspicious activity on your bank, you're going to click that link if you don't know any better. And then you're going to get prompted. Uh, you know, it'll be a spoofed website that'll look like your bank and prompt you for your username and password. And then they've got you. So yeah, I mean, you're seeing this with Apple IDs being compromised, your mobile phone services, uh, you know, getting texts that are fake from others, cyber criminals that are sending them out, making them look legit. And it's just, it's gotten, they, the cyber criminals have, have become really good at what they do. The more technology advances, the more they advance, unfortunately. Sure. And you mentioned some of the vulnerable populations. I know myself having to sort of guide my grandmother through operating on, she doesn't have a smartphone, but operating on a computer even when a lot of criminals that were showing themselves as Microsoft, she unfortunately had to go through that. And it's a good reminder that we do need to have, you know, these sort of issues at the forefront of our mind. And really, you know, I'll get on my soapbox a little here without being too political, but I think our country, our government as a whole needs to do better with education as far as cybersecurity goes. I mean, everybody should get an opportunity to get some sort of cyber cybersecurity training if they haven't already and basic things. So like you talked about your grandmother and and that's very common, surely. But I have a sister-in-law who's, you know, in her mid thirties that doing a something on Facebook, whether it was like a celebrity quiz or something that she's always doing those things. But she got uh, a phone call, I believe, that said they were from Microsoft that there was a virus on her computer and she just does not know any better. I mean, she's just your standard run of the mill email, web surfing, social media type of user. And so she was frightened and ended up being a ransomware situation where she ended up turning over like $750 to these people and never got it back. I don't think that anybody is immune to this. Companies are getting really good at launching their own internal phishing attacks just for cybersecurity awareness. And a colleague of mine said, Hey, I, did you get this email from so-and-so? And I, I hadn't seen my email at that point, but 
he said, yeah, I got this email and it said, you know, click here to verify your Active Directory credentials. And he actually went ahead and clicked it and did it. And it turns out it luckily it was an internal phishing attack just for cybersecurity awareness. But those kind of things are happening inside and out corporations and then to private individuals too. So it's it's just, it's only going to get worse, unfortunately. We actually recently released a white paper on uh, safer social networking operating online for national security professionals, especially during COVID. But we discussed some tips while you are operating online, including think before you link with all the different fake profiles that are online, having clean public facing profiles and just being careful over email, like you said, practicing good cyber hygiene overall. So folks should check that out. But you recently wrote an interesting article and you touched on phishing and smishing, the different types of social engineering attacks that can occur if you don't practice those safe best practices. So let's walk through maybe some other types of those issues and that can happen while you're playing online. It's interesting you brought up from a clearance, a cleared individual out there trying to do networking is, you know, I mean, that's the lifeblood of what we do, right? We keep our networks alive. We try to grow them as much as we can so that in the event we're in the market for a job, we can, we can rely on that network to help us find the next position. But especially in the contracting community, some of the things that are happening, uh, you know, lately are, you know, data mining attacks using, uh, you know, different countries using data mining attacks in the United States. And one of the big targets as of late has been LinkedIn. So that social engineering attack is happening where people are putting their information out there, where they work, how long they've been there. And then, you know, you tie those things to how many contacts that you know and who you're connected to. Things of that nature, even on a large scale, are, are getting attacked as well. So you've got to watch out when you're online doing doing networking. As a contractor, and I'm, I'm sure most of the people that are listening to this can, can attest to just the volumes of emails that we get from recruiters on a daily basis and phone calls. And now even text messages, I'm getting text messages almost on a daily basis from recruiters. And we've got to be careful in, in who we're talking to and actually verify you know, that these individuals are legit. Um, there's so many contracting companies that just pop up out of nowhere, seemingly a lot of small businesses, and it's just hard to keep track of, of who's out there. So before you go turning over, you know, your, your personal information, because a lot of these recruiters, I mean, if they're good at social engineering and they look to attack you, they're going to ask you for things that you would think are, are normal to ask from a recruiter's perspective, things like, well, we need to do an SF-86 on you. We need to get your social security number. We need to know your, you know, your last 10 addresses or um, the last 10 years of jobs you've had. And you start giving that information over and it just creates, you know, puzzle pieces. And, and those puzzle pieces go together to form the full picture of who you are. And it can really do a lot of damage to you uh, professionally. So it's got to be careful. And I, I know that one thing we do like to promote at clearance jobs is the fact that we aren't a public facing you know network that can be scraped by other resources or fake profiles can be made i mean all of our recruiters are verified defense contractors so uh, you know that's something that you can do but what are some other th things people can do to mitigate if uh, they are a victim of these attacks one of the very first things you can do, especially if this happens to you from inside of your organization, whether you're at work or especially now, you know, in a lot of corporations, organizations, they're in a really tight spot with having to open up so much remote flexibility for workers that are at home with this whole COVID situation we're in. So the, the need for, for people to be accessing corporate resources from their home private networks has just risen exponentially. So things we have to do to be careful is then just make sure that you're on a VPN, right? Um, if you're going to access corporate resources from home, make sure you're connected to a VPN. You can't trust your home network connection to be secure enough to be traversing that kind of uh, network traffic. 
if you get exposed and it happens to be on a corporate resource, such as a, a cell phone or a tablet or a laptop that you've been given from your, your company, the very first thing you want to do is just power it down. Just shut it down. Get a hold of your, your security personnel, whether it's your FSO or your, your CISO, somebody on the security team so that they can log a security incident and really get you to where you can start limiting the amount of damage that's been done. Uh, to your personal data. So, I mean, report as soon as possible. That's the number one thing, report it. And a lot of people get afraid or even get, you know, embarrassed that they were part of an attack, but it happens. It happens to large corporations. It happens to CEOs. It happens to Johnny individual that's just, you know, surfing the web. It's, it's Nobody's immune to it. So the idea of being embarrassed that you've been exposed to a cyber attack is it's not a it's not a good excuse to keep things hidden. So the best thing you can do is report early and make sure you get somebody on on the case to get it figured out. So that's it's probably one of the best things I would do. Well, and I really appreciated that about a recent article that you wrote informing folks if they are attacked, you know, some best practices or guidelines or steps on that they should take that not nobody's immune to it. I mean, it ha- it's happened to me. I'm sure it's happened to you. It, it, and yeah. everyone might be sitting there thinking, oh, well, you know, I, I work from home or I, I live in this certain place or, you know, I'm careful enough. But like you said, nobody's immune to it. Yeah, definitely not. I mean, I'll even I'll throw myself out there just to show you that there's no shame in it. I I, I did a lot of traveling. I worked for a, a large vendor, software reseller back in 2017. And literally every week I was on the road. I, I flew out Sunday night, flew home Friday night. And so I relied heavily on my laptop and my my smartphone. And being out and about, you don't you don't get a whole lot of time being at home to get things done personally that you need to. So I was on my personal laptop. I was at the airport. I, I believe I was in Atlanta. I was at the airport, which is it's a fairly large airport. And I had some stuff I needed to get done. I connected to the Wi-Fi. And usually when I do that, which is it's totally okay to do as long as you can launch a VPN to connect, secure that connection. I, I just didn't go through the step of launching the VPN, just being lazy, didn't do it. Got on the plane, got off the plane. I had all these phone calls from my wife. Both of our checking accounts had been cleared out to zero. I think they left wow. like $5. All of my kids' savings accounts had been transferred out into our checking account and then cleared out. Like thousands of dollars just gone like in a matter of 30 minutes. And I could not for the life of me figure out how it happened. Um, come to think of it now, I did, I, I did go on to do some online banking, which I normally would do, you know, but I'm connected to that VPN and it just wasn't. And it cost me and it happens. I mean, I, I consider myself a cybersecurity professional and here I am being hacked. So it happens. You just got to be careful what we do online. I mean, doing things online like Facebook and Twitter and all the different social things that are out there, I can't even keep track anymore. You have to be sure that when you're doing those things that you're not oversharing. That's one thing that I'm teaching my children is they're just now starting to get smartphones. I have three kids. Two of them now have smartphones. One's 14, one's 15. And they just, you know, I just have to drill into them. Listen, do not share any information more than you need to. Don't share that you're going on vacation. People love to snap pictures of their food when they're on vacation, or they love to snap pictures of where they are, what they're doing or who they're with. And it just, it it takes, you know, a good social engineer will take all those puzzle pieces and put it together and and then you're stuck. So... You just got to be careful when we're on the web. Sure. Be careful and even maybe have constant reminders. Like you said, companies having those simulated phishing attacks. I know that that is a constant reminder for me, even though it's from my company on in my personal time. Oh, hey, <laughs> this is a real, you know, imminent danger on a daily basis for folks when they're operating online. Yeah. And let's not forget too, the the old school form of social engineering is face to face and that still happens, right? So- Those of us that are in the cleared community, 
we have a responsibility to maintain operational security and awareness, you know, situational awareness and what we're doing and who we're talking to. If, if you're out at a restaurant or at a bar or in the airport and you're chatting up somebody on an airplane, you know, you got to be aware if they start asking you too many questions about the same topic, where do you work? You know, who do you work with? How long have you been there? Those kind of things should be a red flag. I'm not saying to to turn into a paranoid person by any means, but mm-hmm. just got to be aware because even old school methods, they're, they're still happening. I mean, people are still trying to get stuff through the mail, snail mail. Um, there are people that are still trying to use, you know, just your, your cell phones. Luckily, nowadays, our, our cell phones have these um, these filters now, call filters that block out spam calls, which is really helpful. We just have to be constantly aware. That's just kind of the burden of being who we are in this community and holding clearances. And, and really, for anybody else, it should be the same. But I think we just have more of a responsibility than the general public. So Sure. With innovation comes more potential problems. But uh, last question for you, Greg. Um, if everybody checks out vdestination.com, you can read loads of information on everything IT, infrastructure, data, cybersecurity, awareness. You'll also see what team uh, Greg's a huge fan of. So tell me, who is going to the Super Bowl this year? Well, of course, it's the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, come on. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, when this gets posted, I don't know. But right now we're 9-0. and We'll be 10-0 this weekend, hopefully. And we'll just keep going. I mean, uh, there's there's nothing more to it. It's a Super Bowl or bust for us. you know. And that's pretty much every year with the Steelers. It's it's a Super Bowl or the season's a failure. So Sure. Stairway to seven, my friend. Yes. Yep. That, that's what, <laughs> what we're aiming for. Right. Exactly. Well, wonderful. Uh, Greg, thanks so much for joining me for this episode of ClearCast. And everyone, be sure to visit his blog at thedestination.com. This is Katie Keller, editor at clearancejobs.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of ClearedCast. For more information on career and recruiting advice, visit news.clearancejobs.com.